Greetings and welcome to Sojourn of Souls. Here at Sojourn of Souls, we want to extend a heartfelt welcome to everyone throughout the world. We are delighted to count all of you as part of our company as we trek together in this world so we can live with eternally with God in the next. Just a reminder, if you find that traveling with us is useful, we encourage you to follow us and share our podcast, Soldier of Souls, with your friends and family. You are our only sales force, so don't be shy about spreading the word. Hi, I'm Deacon Tim Vaughn, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about our Blessed Mother Mary. The New Testament accounts of her humility and obedience to the message of God and made her an exemplar for all ages of Christians. St. Therese of Lisieux said, What a joy to remember that she is our mother, since she loves us and knows our weaknesses. What do we have to fear? So why are we talking about Mary in September? You might remember I did a short series of Mary back in May, which seems really natural since May is the month of Mary. And then again, next month in October is the month of the Rosary. So what's so special about the month of September? Well, I'm going to answer that question in my own little humble opinion. But first, we're going to begin with a prayer of the Memorari. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgins of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may already see, if you looked at my podcast in the past, that I have a great devotion to our Holy Mother Mary. The first prayer I try to pray every day is the Angelus, regardless of what time I wake up. I know it's suggested that we pray it at 6 a.m., noon, and at 6 p.m. But I just pray it as soon as I get up in the morning. And it keeps evil thoughts out of my head, such as laziness and other things, and I begin my prayer day with prayer. And it makes things so much easier the rest of the day. And of course, shortly after I pray the Angelus, I do my morning breviary. So I begin each day with my spiritual mother, Mary. I have a painting of her next to my bed of her ascending the steps of the temple as a child. In her book, The Life of the Blessed Brother Mary, from the visions of the Venerable Anne Catherine Emmerich, Blessed Anne describes Mary as being brought to the temple at its tender age of three by Joachim and Anne. There Mary attended the priests and Levites in the sacred ministry of the temple along with the other consecrated virgins for several years until her betrothed to Joseph. It's a beautiful picture, and if you haven't seen it, take time to look it up. It is absolutely amazing. Now also, if you have 
through your diocese or church. A membership to formed.org is the movie Mary of Nazareth. It's an amazing movie of Mary. When I was out a year ago in, in the summer, I was able to look at nearly every movie I could find on form about Mary. And this was the one I probably liked the best. And in the movie Mary of Nazareth, about the five minute mark, early in the movie, you will see Mary as a child, as a three-year-old, running up the steps to their temple. And then at the 58 mark, you will see Mary and Joseph bringing the infant Jesus to their temple. They tie the two scenes in brilliantly as Simeon remembers seeing Mary as a three-year-old running up the steps and now seeing her as an adult, bringing her child Jesus into the temple. It is a very, very powerful scene. And if you get a chance, see the movie. But we're getting away from my original question. What is so great about this month for Mary? Well, first of all, on September 8th, we celebrated the birthday or the nativity of our Blessed Mother. So, you may ask the question, how old is Mary? Since we assumed that she was assumed into heaven. Well, you never ask how old a lady is. So that's, you know, that's something we learned as a child. You never ask a woman her age. But we celebrate her birthday on September 8th. Now, the second one is a relatively new feast. is the, the Holy Name of Mary, which we celebrate on September 12th. Now, kind of a coincidence in my family is this. On September 12th is my sister's birthday. My sister's name is Maria. Now, in a lot of languages, the name Maria is also the name Mary. So I think that's really kind of neat that my sister's name was Maria, and she was born on September 12th. And lastly is September 15th, the feast day of Our Lady of Sorrows. And this is going to be the focus of the rest of the podcast, is Our Lady of Sorrows. Now, according to St. Bernard of Clairvaux, he wrote, Mary was a martyr, not by the sword of the executioner, but by the bitter, bitter sorrow of her heart. So we're going to explore that here in Our Lady of Sorrows. Now, first of all, who is the Lady of Sorrows? According to GoodCatholic.com, they said, Devotion to Our Lady of Sorrow became a standard devotion in the Church during the Middle Ages. The Servite Order, founded in the 13th century in Florence, Italy, particularly dedicated themselves to the Sorrowful Mother and promoted devotion to her sorrows. St. Bridget of Sweden, who lived from 1303 to 1373, also received many revelations from Our Lady concerning her sorrows. But what are the sorrows of Mary specifically? Indeed, she has given us seven specific sorrows to contemplate and meditate upon, for which she grants many graces in return. The seven sorrows are events in the life of Mary that cause excessive sorrows in her immaculate heart, sorrows in which she was especially united to Jesus. So let us stop here for a moment 
and reflect upon something, especially you listening that are parents. Now, aren't there times when you're especially united to your children, especially when there's a medical emergency involved, like your child is really, really, really sick or injured, and you're just, all you can do is pray. You can't do anything else. You take them to the emergency room, and you don't know what else to do. But you're united. That is your child, and you're specifically united to them. And all you can do is pray. And so these are situations where Mary is specifically feeling united to them, such as Simeon prophesied to Mary when she presented him at the temple. So we are encouraged to contemplate these seven events, and here they are in order, and then we'll go through each one of them specifically. First, the prophecy of Simeon. Second, the flight into Egypt. Third, the loss of Jesus for three days. Fourth, the meeting of Jesus and Mary on the road to Calvary. Five, the crucifixion of Jesus. Six, Jesus taken down from the cross. And seven, Jesus laid down in the tomb. Now, I'm going to go through each one of these specifically, but the meditations from each one I found on the website of Franciscan Messenger, and they're written by a lady named Jennifer Martino Land, and they're really, really amazing. Now, on each one, I'll probably give a little bit of take on each one, but these meditations I thought were just amazing, so I copied them directly from them, and I'm giving her credit, and I think they're amazing. But the first sorrow, of course, is the prophecy of Simeon, was taken from Luke 2.35. And it says, And you yourself a sword will pierce. And she writes, The Blessed Virgin Mary first learned about the sword that would pierce her heart while presenting the child Jesus in the temple with St. Joseph on the eighth day for of its maiming and circumcision. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, Behold, this child is destined for a fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted for you self a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. In Luke 2, 34-35, Simeon's prophecy was the first piercing of her heart because it is the first scriptural record of Mary knowing that her son would suffer. The next six traditional sorrows paint a developing picture of the fulfillment of that prophecy. Second, the second sorrow is a flight into Egypt. And from Matthew 2.13, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child and destroy him. Joseph hastily awaits Mary and relays his dream. She feels a sore sharpness as Simeon's prophecy echoes in her heart. There is no time to worry, only to pack the few essentials 
as they prepared to flee to Egypt under the cover of darkness. The lengthy journey across the desert wilderness frightens Mary, but she never voices her fear to Joseph. However, she can't help but think, will there be enough food for water? Will we be able to weather the excessive heat? What if the donkey stumbles? What if, the what ifs, were to paralyze a person of little faith? But Mary continues to trust that God will take care of her little family's needs. Now, none of this is recorded, so we can only imagine the hardships that the Holy Family endured while in exile. But one thing is certain, nothing can sway Mary's trust in God. She never questions, she ponders, letting these things that she doesn't understand simply be there in her heart. And in complete conformity to the divine plan, Mary is a model of cooperation and grace. So just think about that for a minute. Just think if you were told that you needed to leave now immediately and leave everything behind and go to a country that you've never been to in order to survive, you would have to trust completely in God. The third sorrow, the loss of Jesus for three days. And from Luke's Gospel, second chapter, 46 to 48. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And she writes, Terror seizes Mary's heart when she discovers that her son is missing. On the third day while walking by the temple, the anxious mother hears the sweet sound of Jesus' voice. And Joseph, look, there he is among the teachers. So they run to Jesus' side, and Mary, mingled with joy and sorrow, speaks words of general reproach to her son. The fourth sorrow, the meeting of Jesus and Mary on the road to Calvary, John 19 through 17. And carrying across himself, and from Luke 23 through 27, it says, and a large crowd of people followed Jesus, including many women who mourned and lamented him. And she writes, Mary pushes her way through the shouting, cursing mob. At last, she sees her son carrying his cross. Mary's heart breaks in unspeakable sorrow and the outrage committed against his precious body. She is powerless to minister to him except by her presence. Their eyes meet and speak volumes of love in a frozen moment of anguished silence. Trust, trust, Jesus' heart speaks to hers. His unspoken words echo in her hearing heart, and with renewed strength she walks the way of her son. The fifth sorrow, the crucifixion. And as we read from John 19, 18 through 30, Standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother, his mother's sister, 
Mary, wife of Clophas, and Mary Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Finally, they reached the hill of execution. The cruel soldier stretched Jesus' body upon the cross and with heavy hammer blows, drive its sharp spikes into his hands and feet. Mary's head pounds with each cruel blow and no one hears the silent scream that shatters her broken heart and echoes in the hearts of God. St. Bernardine of Siena says, this sorrow of Mary was so great that it had been equally divided among all men that they would die immediately. Oh, how painful that must have been. Six, Jesus taken down from the cross, John 19, 39 through 40. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus, and Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body. She writes, Jesus, her son, the son of God is dead. In her heart, Mary dies with him. Two broken hearts, one pierced with a spear, the other pierced with sorrow, become one. Jesus and Mary, Mary forever united for the whole human family. Mary's sorrow is all the greater because of the greatness of her love. Jesus' body is taken down from the cross and placed in her arms. Mary embraces her son with a love beyond words, beyond grief itself. For now it is a grief consumed sorrow. She who had given birth to divinity now presses the bloodied and battered remains of his humanity close to her sorrowful and shattered heart. Let it be done according to thy will, she prays. The seventh sorrow, Jesus is laid in the tomb. The women who had come from Galilee with him followed behind, and when they had seen the tomb and the way in which his body was laid in it, they returned to prepare spices and perfumed oils. In Luke 23, 55 and 56. The holy women quietly prepared the spices and ointments and gathered the sheet and the grave cloth according to Jewish custom. Mary's pierced heart remains united to the stilled heart of the one they had pierced. The most sacred heart was formed in her immaculate womb. Imagine burying your own son and watching him die on a cross after being severely tortured by being whipped scourged and crowned with thorns and placed on his crown of thorns placed on his head. What sorrow and what grief she must have felt. I know what grief I felt when I lost my own wife, but it's not compared to the grief that Mary felt. It's not even close to watching a child die regardless of age and having to bury them. But with God's grace, there is the rest of the story. 
We can honor the Blessed Mother and learn compassion for her heart and the pain that Thea filled it during her life on earth through devotion of her title, Our Lady of Sorrows. In particular, she asks us to pray the seven Hail Marys daily in honor for her sorrows. Our Lady revealed to St. Bridget seven particular graces that she would grant to those who honored her sorrows. First, I will grant peace to their families. Two, they will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. Three, I will console them in their pains and I will accompany them in their work. Four, I will give them as much as they ask for as long as it does not oppose the adorable will of my divine son or the sanctification of their souls. Five, I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. Six, I will visibly help them at the moment of their death when they see the face of their mother. Seven, I have attained this grace from my divine son that those who propagate this devotion to my tears and the Lord's will be taken directly from this earthly life to eternal happiness since all their sins will be forgiven and my son and I will be their eternal consolation and joy. Now there are benefits to devotion to our mother of sorrows. And there are three. To realize the value of a soul worth of supreme sacrifice on Calvary. Two, to work for souls by evangelization, duty to life's duties, and prayer for sinners. Three, to pray always in a life of union with God, whoever has a heart similar to Jesus and Mary's hearts, will work for the salvation of souls. When we commit a sin, we bring it sorrow to Our Lady, for she is indeed our very mother, our spiritual mother, and she watches over us as she watched over her baby nearly 2,000 years ago. It is the desire of Jesus that we should think of his passion and to offer him our devotion and renew our sorrow for sin. It is also his desire as a church makes clear to us that we should think of the compassion of Mary in his passion. So let us end with the Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So until we meet again, May the Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And remember Jesus' words, wide is the road to destruction. So we remind you, stay on the path as we ask that St. Raphael, the Archangel of Travelers, God speed you on your sojourn. <laughs>